Hi, this is Sean Perrin, and you're listening to episode 56 of the Clarinet Podcast, the show where I discuss all that's new and neat with clarinet with the neatest people in the industry. In today's episode of the podcast, I discuss Ubel clarinets and ESM mouthpieces with Victoria and Andreas Moe of Moe Bleichner Music Distribution. We're joined by Marianne Lakai, who is an Ubel and ESM artist and who was actually just featured on episode 55 of the podcast. If you enjoy our conversation today and want to learn more about Marianne, I highly recommend heading back and checking out that interview. You'll learn about the differences today between Ubel models, how the clarinets are made, and what makes the ESM Heaven mouthpiece so unique and special. This episode was recorded on location with Marianne in Seattle, Washington, and we were joined over Skype by Andreas and Victoria. I would like to thank Mo Bleichner Music Distribution for making the studio interview possible. Before we get started this week, just a couple of housekeeping items. The first is I want to announce that Stanley Drucker has agreed to come on the podcast. Now, he, of course, is one of my all-time number one guests that I ever could even imagine to have on. So I'm super excited about this. I'd love it if you have any questions for him. Please send them along to feedback at clarineat.com. Another upcoming guest who I've actually mentioned last year, but we never got a a chance to talk, was Florian Popa, who has invented some various ligature products and barrels and and bells, and we'll be chatting soon on the podcast as well. And again, any listener questions for him, feedback at clarineat.com. That's the place to submit any and all questions that you have for these and other upcoming guests. The second thing I'd like to mention today is that the website has been completely redesigned from the ground up. It looks much more minimal, much more approachable, and it loads much, much faster on all devices and should load faster around the world. This is because I've added a service called a content delivery network. Um, Just because I realized that the podcast was being listened to in over 70 countries now, and generally servers are local, so... Uh, load times in places like China, for example, I think were really, really slow, and this should help improve that. So if you've been to the website before and you found it was kind of slow and sluggish and unresponsive, this should have fixed that. And uh, do let me know what you think if you get a chance to check it out. Of course, on the website, you'll find detailed show notes pages, links to purchase items discussed on the podcast. There's also very detailed product reviews, um, a blog, some videos, and an online store. So there's lots more to Clarineat than just this podcast. So do be sure to head on over to Clarineat.com and check that out when you get a chance. This episode was brought to you by our sponsor, Dario Woodwinds. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's conversation. Sanding, shaping, balancing. For centuries, mastering your instrument meant mastering these crafts too. But now, D'Addario is refining craftsmanship for the 21st century by refining their reeds and mouthpieces with the world's most innovative techniques, so you can spend less time sanding, shaping, and balancing, and more time perfecting your own craft. To learn more about the new era of craftsmanship from D'Addario Woodwinds, visit daddario.com woodwinds. So today I want to talk, of course, about the ESM mouthpieces and the Ubel clarinets. But uh, let's start with the clarinets. Would you tell me a little bit about their sort of history and where they're made and what materials they're using? Sure. History. It's an old company. Um, this 
current uh, company is fo was founded in 1936, but it's much older. It goes back to the invention of the clarinet, actually. The current company, I would say, uh, in its modern form is only 10, 15 years old, a development included, um, heavily based on the old models, but it's completely reinvented, I would say. Um, what I like about it is, of course, the German craftsmanship, but also the thorough wood selection. I'm very into wood as an instrument maker. We both, Victor and I, are instrument makers. We look at all the single parts as well, not only at the end result. And wood selection is probably among the most uh, thorough ones in the market. Um, it's aged tone wood, five to seven years. It's heavy silver plating on uh, on uh, nickel silver keys. It's, you know, everything is more, I would say, durable, um, better thought of than most other brands, in my opinion. So what does it mean to go into, to, uh, like, could you go into a little detail about the selection process of the wood? Like, what are you looking for or not looking for in, in a good um, wood? A few things. Uh, uh, first, of course, wood density. Mm -hmm. uh, where does the wood come from? Um, is it uh, well pre-selected? Is it uh, is the drying process really really slow enough? And then from model to model, you start with the classic, which is the uh, currently lowest model. Um, um, the wood gets denser and uh, without knots. The grain direction is very very straight. The higher you come up to, let's say, the superior is a perfectly hand-selected wood that actually gets knocked to listen to it and uh, to make sure that after the center bore is drilled, that wood grain direction is perfect, that you don't find uh, flaws in it, things like that. Wow. And as well that the bottom part and the uh, that the joints uh, have a similar um, wood structure hmm. to have an even sound. Yeah, actually the superior and preference get matched. The uh, upper and lower body joint uh, get matched regarding wood density, wood weight, and grain direction, which I find awesome. Wow, yeah. Does the, um, you mentioned the drying process. Would you walk me through the, the drying process for Ubel clarinets? <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's uh, quite simple. You take <laughs> <you laughs> time. You cut you cut the tree. Uh, you um, uh, cut your blanks uh, to a size where you later can use them. You seal the end uh, with um, with a, a sort of a wax, and then you throw something waterproof over it and let it dry in in in, in, a, in a you know normal moisture environment. After that. You just store them as long as necessary until you measure a, a certain um, moisture content inside the wood. And then you can start to drill the center bore. After that, the wood should rest again. And it will uh, up to two years so that it can recover from that massive intrusion in its life. So, of course, we all laugh, but because, you know, drying does seem like such an obvious thing. But, but most manufacturers, or many, I would say, are now kiln drying their instruments, I believe. Yeah. So that was why I was laughing. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. <laughs> other manufacturers from the tree to the clarinet five weeks, you know, or even shorter. And uh, wood does have to get used to its new, um, you know, purpose. purpose. Mm -hmm. And um, many, many clarinets, even the best made clarinets will crack, warp or shift and move. Um, uh, when it uh, when exposed to other temperatures, other humidity levels, 
And you can avoid that if you dry your tone wood thoroughly and slowly. The, uh, the granadilla is, has very wide fibers and has lots of uh, resin. Mm -hmm. And once you kiln dry uh, the wood, the resin shrinks to little gems inside, which oh. means there are openings in the hole, uh, in, the, in the wood. And if uh, once you um, drill the center bore, uh, you see inside the bore a rough surface because you open those chambers where uh, resin was uh, before and uh, it is prone to collect dust, moisture and uh, it uh, changes the structure of the wood hmm. um, in, uh, as a whole. And uh, if you dry it properly, the resin stays in place you drill the center bore and the resin melts during that process which makes it very dangerous to uh, to drill it because it gets warm but it melts and uh, it adds a layer of um, its own protection uh, inside the wood so if you look into the bore of a uber clarinet do yourself a favor and and uh, look at it uh, and you're going to see a shiny even uh, smooth surface which is almost polished. Yeah, mm -hmm. like polished, but there is no no such thing like polishing. It is uh, a natural process when you dry the wood carefully. So Marianne and I were just talking about the different models. So it starts with the classic. That's sort of the, the basic one, right? And then mm -hmm. I believe the advantage, the preference, and the superior. So would you walk us through kind of or, uh, the differences between these models and who might be interested in each one? or? Well, um, uh, as I pointed out earlier, it's uh, every single instrument has a slightly different bore, of course, uh, wood selection, but the sound idea behind the instruments um, are very different. Mm -hmm. uh, the preference, for example, stands out like <laughs> none of the others. It's, it's a very, very um, different sound idea. It's not as dark and as German, I would say, than uh, as the others but rather vivid, vivid, sparkly, with a much lighter tone. And uh, that makes it a perfect choice. And actually, we sell it very often to klezmer players or players who tend to play more modern or contemporary music. Mm -hmm. Jazz. Yeah, jazz, jazz mm -hmm. players. Um, it, is, uh, it is very responsive. So you can, uh, it is, it's a perfect play partner. Uh, and it has not too much resistance, so it is very easy to uh, to have fun with it. Paul Navidad, for example, one of, uh, is our most recent uh, Uber artist, and he decided for the uh, preference because he plays a lot of jazz and um, and Dixie, and and he loved the sparkle in the tone of the preference, very unlike uh, the Superior. The Superior is uh, the instrument you want to play if you are. Um, in a symphony orchestra or play chamber music because it can do both. It can open very much. You can have a very strong tone with beautiful over and undertones, uh, but it's also it can be also very, very subtle, but it will always sound romantic, German, dark and rich. And it's a very cultivated tone uh, in comparison to the, uh, to the preference, which is, uh, yeah, more like... The one professor said to me, uh, it's, uh, didn't attend the, uh, finishing school. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like there's lots of different choices for people to choose within the Ubel line, which is great for, for people interested in new instruments. Yeah. The preference uh, is not available as in A currently. Um, 
the superior E flat came first, and um, so that is available now as well. And as you can see, we go through the single models step by step, and develop and develop and develop. And the E flat is the um, youngest sibling of the entire line. And not to forget the bass. Yes. Yeah. yeah as well. Exactly. The superior is easily recognizable. Um, always because it has a resonance uh, vent hole in the bell, so that is always uh, very easy to um, uh, separate from the others. I'd like to also add that it's interesting to note how the course of history of clarinet makers have changed the way we perceive and play today. Mm -hmm. um, as far back as 1780, uh, there was a clarinet maker by the name of Roberti, uh, born in Paris, actually living in the Bordeaux region. And he started with a simple five-key clarinet um, with a very main bore of 14.6. Um, most of the French bores that I've played with have a smaller bore around the 14.7 uh, or 9. But it's refreshing to note that the German makers are all around 15 point and so. And that includes Austin Steiner, Albert, Euler, Ubel, and Wurlitzer. Um, which I, I really love that larger bore. It just adds to the, uh, the warmth and depth and the power that I, mm -hmm. I can obtain. Um, the other thing I like about playing a larger board instrument is that it's helped me uh, in so many ways to change the resonance and the color of my phrasing and the lines. Um, I don't have to make a lot of adjustments, especially in the upper register in that persnickety F sharp, mm -hmm. which is always <laughs> so stuffy and hard to control. Um, in the superior and actually the classic as well, it just comes out very beautifully clean. And it's very refreshing to note that um, you can play um, pretty much in anything and just have a good solid feeling that the, that's a German clarinet and it's going to produce its results all the time. Mm -hmm. and that's, that's really fantastic. And um, I've had students, as you well know, um, have, have purchased your, your uh, Ubel clarinets, and they're all just extremely happy with them. That's wonderful. I'm so happy yeah. to hear that. <laughs> are, are they all, the whole model line, are they all um, the larger bore idea then? They follow the larger bore idea, even though... Um, I must say it's a hybrid bore. Mm -hmm. It's not a, a, a pure German bore. It works with, you know, it's, um, I'm a trumpeter and, and uh, when someone asked me, oh, what, uh, do you play a large bore trumpet? And um, I said, well, that's a very uh, generalizing statement because of course, uh, your, your slide shape, uh, your exit uh, bore size, your bell shape, everything uh, plays a major role in that. And if um, uh, when Marianne says the larger bore, uh, she also means, of course, thicker walls. Mm. You have yes. the, sheer, the sheer mass of wood that has to be moved in a German clarinet is more than in a French clarinet. Mm -hmm. And, of course, uh, tonal positioning. If you work with a larger bore, well, you face an entirely different set of problems than uh, with a uh, French bore uh, clarinet. Um, I was just so going to say that that is so true, Andreas. Um, the thing that I like about the Ubels is the key work and how it's set on the body of the instrument. The key work is up front, and the um, like, for example, the uh, left pinky FC key. Mm -hmm. um, is set more comfortably on the Ubels than on the French systems where you have to kind of reach. And for younger players, that lower, uh, the lower setup is a lot easier for their young hands to reach. 
um, rather, you know what I'm saying, rather than yeah, um, than uh, like some of the other clarinets where you have to have really control in your left hand to to get those mm. notes to speak. Yeah, ergonomics uh, are very important to us and Übel, and uh, you see that with the uh, bass clarinet, uh, the Imperia. Um, it's one of the rare instruments where uh, people with small hands and especially female players feel very comfortable on. For younger players, not yet uh, uh, having larger hands. Yeah. Very comfortable, you don't have to stretch your fingers, so you don't get hurt over time, which is definitely a problem with a lot of uh, bass clarinets and we heard a lot of compliments about uh, being very comfortable. Yeah. Well, you know, I've had the chance, um, thanks to you guys, to try the classic model mm -hmm. now quite extensively. I've had it for a couple of months, and I, I don't know if I'll be getting it back to you because I actually like it so much. <laughs> we'll have to see about that. Um, but anyways, I, I, the one thing I do have to say is that I, I do love it. I love how it, how it plays and how it feels, and I find it is quite versatile. Um, I'm saddened to hear there's no matching A, to be honest, but I guess uh, that's the advantage of the... Advantage is like <laughs> maybe I'll have to adjust my preference. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Oh yes, I, I do find that the key work is slightly different to what I'm used to having played buffets for for so long. Um, mm -hmm. What kind of adjustment period would an average person have switching over to a new instrument as far as the bore and? Um, yeah, I think that's a question Marianne can uh, answer, answer best. best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How long did it take you? What, what, kind, what was it like? <laughs> oh, gosh. She experienced it firsthand. <laughs> Someone who's been there. Well, after playing buffets, as I said, all my life, um, the transition, I'm going to be honest with you, was not a smooth one for me. Mm -hmm. um, it did take me some time to make the adjustments on my equipment, my mouthpieces. I was playing on totally different setup on my buffets, and I wasn't aware of the fact of the bigger bore and all the uh, the details that went into the making of the Ubel clarinet. And after doing several months of research, I've come up with the, the Blue Heaven mouthpiece, which is just the perfect fit for me. Uh, really, I mean, um, with the, the baffle, the blue, uh, we can talk about that, the baffle being a little bit more um, user-friendly for the larger board instrument and um, a little bit less persnickety, if you will, on read adjustment. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really what, what it really is all about and the um, being able to play uh, in tune. You know, one of the things that's true, we want to talk about the, the different barrels that are available from Ubel. Is that what you're talking about? Well, yeah. yes. Um, when I got my Ubels, I was surprised that there was a 65 and 64. And uh, me too, actually. I noticed I, they were shorter than I expected. Yeah. And I was like, well, what's up with you guys? You know. <laughs> but after, um, after playing the 65s and with a larger bore, I can understand why that analogy has come, come into play. Oh, she says... Oh, 60. Uh, 60. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay. That, they're well, showing us on the screen right now a barrel I, and a little baggie that I guess is being sent out to Marianne um, here. <laughs> yeah, um, but the um, after getting used to the Blue Heavens, um, I was playing on bacoons, I have to mm -hmm. admit, and that was causing a little discrepancy of pitch. But yeah. so, so here's a question about that, because like one of the things that's, uh, sorry to interrupt, it's okay. um, with the, people love to accessorize their clarinets nowadays, and most clarinets out here are, you know, French system type buffets and stuff. Do you find you're able to sort of accessorize your instrument or do you have to get custom made accessories for that bore? I have a feeling it would need to have a different. Um, well, no, I, I think it's all about weight. 
it's all about weight and balance. And I think Andreas would, and Victoria would agree with me. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, many, 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 many years ago, as I had told Sean, I played on a Vandoren A1 crystal. And I've played the Palmericos, and Bakun has come out with a crystal mouthpiece. Um, they're too heavy for the Uba clarinet. Um, too much weight. It's just, it's overpowering. And when you have, um, it, it's, it's, imba- it's actually imbalancing the, mm. the playing structure. So the synthetic crystal has been the perfect solution for that because it, it sort of puts everything back on a plane balance where um, the dimensions of the old world class of the crystal mouthpieces is still prevalent in the synthetic crystal, but it's new and improved. It's upgraded. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a lot, we experienced a lot of players being surprised about the 40s, uh, 64 and 65 barrels, asking us uh, for 66. And uh, I want to say that almost everybody, after a month or two, uh, cancelled the order for the 66 barrels. Exactly. Because uh, it is um, a matter of a match for the clarinet, and the clarinet is designed to uh, play, be played, being played with uh, 64 and 66. Of course, there's a, a 64 and 65. Uh, of course, there's more available. There's 63 up to 67. Uh, but after a while, especially for p- uh, players who are switching from uh, buffet or other brands. They are used to compensate and to to play their old setup, and it takes them a while to get uh, to get used to relax and simply play and uh, don't engage yourself in in compensating. And then you find out that the, that the barrels they come with are uh, thoughtfully selected. Okay. And uh, to say it's to say a word about the Schreiber mouthpieces, the ESM Schreiber mouthpieces, it might be a, such a good fit because uh, it is as well a German brand used to more uh, German um, built French clarinets. Mm-hmm. So they know their market and their products uh, being mostly played and and so they of course uh, provide in, uh, mouthpieces of uh, a huge variety of uh, tip openings and and facings and everything uh, but for the idea of a german made french clarinet so this would be a good time to segue into kind of a quick chat about the mouthpieces um marianne's been quite fond of using this new brand of mouthpiece called esm and um, they have a couple models, and one of them is sort of a synthetic crystal, I believe has little metal flecks inside, mm-hmm. and also a metal tenon ring. Would you tell us a bit about sort of these features and why they become benefits? First, first let me say that Ernst Schreiber is not a new uh, company. Oh, sorry, I mean the mouthpiece is, isn't this blue heaven rather? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's newer. It's newer in the uh, American market. It's really, actually, it's, this concept has been around, this synthetic crystal has been around for longer than I think then. Yeah, they are. Are we yeah. talking about the same mouthpieces as the blue? Yeah, the blue. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, they are in, available in the U.S. for three years only. Um, mm-hmm. uh, actually, Marianne and we met at uh, the Clarinet Fest in Baton Rouge uh, three years ago. Seems pretty new to me. Three years. It <laughs> 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 was, was the first time that was the debut for the uh, blue mouthpieces in, yeah. in the U.S. But uh, the Germans had them in uh, stock uh, mm-hmm. quite a bit longer. 
Um, and this kind of crystal synthetic uh, material with aluminum particles embedded is the idea is older. Um, mm -hmm. So the company itself is 40-ish uh, years old, and they um, Ernst Schreiber developed very interesting ideas regarding uh, changes to the mouthpiece. He uh, he experimented with materials, thus also the ring, the metal ring, uh, the one you mentioned. It helps mm -hmm. you to focus. It actually. Uh, if you imagine you have your mouthpiece and then a cork is between your mouthpiece and your barrel. And okay. cork is the, is the material that actually muffles. Uh, muffles. It's mm. not a very good uh, transition for your sound waves uh, and your vibration uh, to get into your barrel. So what he did is he tried to focus those uh, vibrations. And the metal ring, also the aluminum particles embedded in the uh, acrylic compound, they... They give you more control over your tone, help to focus and give your, uh, the, the core of your sound more yeah, force, more power. Not necessarily sound-wise, but it, it, it's really more focused. Uh, without, we have many players who want it without because they are more used to the classical idea of, of um, sound production with a softer core, uh, more under and overtones. Um, the metal connector focuses on overtones and thus it sounds a little lighter but it gives you more control so first when i saw the when i saw those flakes first those aluminum particles i thought ah please not another gimmick we don't need more gimmicks we need more science uh, and then uh, i must apologize we have, we, we have certain models uh, in both um alternatives available uh in uh, the solid black without the metal embedded and as well with and without metal ring. And players played them against each other, same uh, tip opening, same facing, uh, and the the difference is remarkable. And so what, the flakes are not just, uh, a gimmick. What just can, a gimmick. What can yeah. I say from day one on, it became our bestseller, really. really? It's, it's an, a remarkable product. So that's the model so, you prefer, Marianne, right? Absolutely. The, yeah. Some some ask us already if they uh, are available as well in black, so that they are not so outstanding. I was just about to ask this: Why couldn't they put the flakes in the <laughs> other material? They materials? technically could. I, yeah. I think they should be able to, but uh, well, it is blue. <laughs> you call that one like the Starry Night or something. <laughs> yeah. like that. You probably see the little flecks in the in the rubber, right, or the uh -huh. material. So these mouthpieces. Um, we mentioned, I think, I think I said the brand was new. I meant the product was new. <laughs> mm -hmm. These products are relatively new. Um, so they're almost transparent. Like for those who haven't seen them, they're really quite something. I don't think there's anything else quite like them. Um, I'll put some pictures up in the show notes. What do you love about them, Marianne, and the way they play and perform for you? Oh, yes. Well, um, with a ring um, in the, uh, the, I have the MK series. So I have both have the Lost Dudas and the MK series. Uh, for classical playing in chamber, there's nothing comparable. I mean, it's just, that is the top of the line. Um, it's easy to produce sound, um, and with the, uh, the 65 barrel, which I'm using now, um, uh, I, can, I, can achieve, I can achieve the softest inflections of, uh, for example, the second movement of the palanque, which I'll play for you a little later. Um, mm -hmm. And the, uh, uh, if you want to go into the, the extreme altissimo register, those C4s pop out like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> Evenly, cleanly, and in tune, and it's it's wonderful. I think what 
you know, I, I'm no expert on, on, on what goes into the making of it, but there seems to be a, a, a bottom, a heavy bottom balance between mm-hmm. the mouthpiece and the barrel and the rest of the instrument. Um, the mouthpiece, the, the blue heavens don't just sit on the mouthpiece. They interact with the, the function of, of the wood and uh, the vibration and, and everything to bind it all together to make it an object that you have in your hands and you blow into something that you are in control of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I totally agree. Are these mouthpieces all meant for more German-style clarinets or can someone use them with a French clarinet as well? You can use them, of course. Mm-hmm. And we have lots of players uh, loving them, regardless of what brand clarinet they are playing or what material clarinet they are playing. Uh, it is a matter of uh, finding the mouthpiece uh, which suits you best and your needs, which is the perfect fit for your setup and your embouchure and your read and your mood. Uh, so I, I'm uh, all for having a variety of mouthpieces available, uh, depending on what kind of music you're going to play, or what, and what, and what mood you are, and how you interpret uh, the music today. So it is uh, good to have a variety, and it's definitely worth to try them. And we are sending out uh, tr- trials as well with different um, models, with different sizes, so that uh, the player can find the perfect match for his setup and his music. I would say on average we sell more um, Schreiber mouthpieces to buffet and server players than to übel players. Mm. It's naturally. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd also like to add that... Um, with the uh, with the ESMs, well, especially the MK, um, I need a reed with a thick vamp and a very vibrant tip. So I do mm-hmm. a lot of uh, sanding and manipulating of the cane to get that to seal on the mouthpiece. Um, I believe in putting a balanced reed on a balanced mouthpiece. A lot of players mm-hmm. aren't aware of that. They'll just take a reed out of the box and they'll put it on, oh, this doesn't work, and why, and I'm, I'm unhappy. It always takes a little bit of ingenuity and time to, uh, to, to shape the reed so it will be balanced because the MK is a little bit more closed face. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's the smallest one. It's yeah. got a deeper deeper baffle. Is that correct, Andreas? Yes, that is also correct. Um, yeah, you are obviously all about acceleration of your sound waves, um, which makes total sense because if you can't get the übels to resonate immediately, you can't control all the subtleties you need as a professional artist. It's impossible. Uh, thus, you naturally pay more attention to uh, to those details, and that's also the reason why you feel so comfortable on the uh, Schreiber mouthpiece. Because if you have the right read, you have the perfect acceleration of your sound waves inside your mouthpiece, and it's, it gets transferred perfectly through the barrel and your instrument. And since your clarinet has thicker walls and a wider bore, that's exactly what you need, of course. Regarding the manipulation of reads, the read geek might be somebody. Uh you want to mention? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to have him on the show, actually. I briefly touched on his product when I was in Chicago. He's featured in that little video I did um, when I was down there. Um, I can't remember his well, name right he now. He has a great tool to manipulate uh, reads, and he has a lot of knowledge about it. Mm-hmm. Very, uh, He's very into that. and. Uh, in my opinion, if you have his little um, read geek tool, you need nothing else. It's it's really perfect to fine-tune your reads. But, oh, well, that's a different topic. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, thank you guys for coming on today and for you know letting me try the classic clarinet and uh, for sharing some of the details about the instruments and the mouthpiece. Um, if people are interested in trying 
buying these instruments and products, where, where can they do that and how can they find you online? The easiest way is to contact us via our website. Uh, maybe you can put something in your... Yeah, I'll throw uh, up some links to the show notes, yeah. Yeah, to the, to the Uber website or ESM US website. And uh, we're going to handle a trial uh, so that you can you have the chance to try and uh, to compare and play uh, your clarinet you're choosing against other brands or however, or get it checked with the uh, teacher, professor, however. And we are very cooperative uh, because we are of the opinion that choosing and trying is uh, very, very important. Especially since Übel is an old brand in Europe and in Asia, maybe, but it's uh, only their third year in the United States. Uh, so we are usually very generous with trial periods, etc., because we want uh, people to get used to our product. Uh, as well, uh, educator shows are a, a good address to check if we are there. We have event uh, calendars on our website. So check it out where we're going to be next or we are with uh, dealers or with uh, universities. Wherever we are invited, we're going to show up with instruments to, to get them to be tried. Thanks for listening to the Clarinet Podcast. For free content updates, coupons, and a chance to win giveaways mentioned on the show, please be sure to enter your email address at clarinet.com slash subscribe. The podcast is brought to you in part by the generous support of its listeners. If you'd like to learn how you can help out, please see clarinet.com slash support. Today's episode was brought to you by Dario Woodwinds. Sanding, shaping, balancing. For centuries, mastering your instrument meant mastering these crafts too. But now, D'Addario is refining craftsmanship for the 21st century by refining their reeds and mouthpieces with the world's most innovative techniques, so you can spend less time sanding, shaping, and balancing, and more time perfecting your own craft. To learn more about the new era of craftsmanship from D'Addario Woodwinds, visit daddario.com woodwinds.